Hi, I'm Jordan Mentor, and you're listening to the Brooklyn to Beijing podcast. Every episode elevates a new conversation around China and its ever-changing relationship with the Black diaspora. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Brooklyn to Beijing podcast. I am joined by the incredible Cadella Burrows, who is a multidisciplinary artist based on the East Coast in the U.S. and who can trace roots back to several continents, and who's had incredible experiences in both mainland China and Taiwan. Today's episode, I wanted to touch on the intersection of art, technology, and talk about Cadella's. Creative journey that has taken him throughout the world. So, Cadella, I hope I've done kind of like a good job <laughs> introducing, just giving the audience a quick intro of who you are. But I just wanted you to give you the chance to say, "Hey," and how are you feeling today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me.、Uh, fe- feeling pretty good. Yeah,、um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm excited to、um, get into today's episode. I think before we talk about your experiences in China and your art, I wanted to get some background on your family. Where are you from? Where do you where you grow up? I mean, you know, it seems like you've been to different places, lived in many places, and 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 can trace roots to different places. So, tell us about how Cadella Burrows came to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, question, that's a but let's take a stab at it. <laughs> Yeah, big but but really good question.、Um, I I I think it's like、uh, really important to like have a connection to your your heritage and, and where you come from. And I'm I'm really blessed that my my dad is a historian、um, mm. who also ha- has、uh, worked with a, a bit of genealogy and like has tried to preserve a kind of like history of like what our family where our family came from on that side of the, of the family. And so for Me, I was I was born、uh, on the east coast of the United States, and then my dad was born in Liberia, and then moved to the states、uh, when he was fairly young. And his parents had moved to Liberia from Jamaica、uh, in like the fifties or so.、Um, and on my on my mom's side, it's a similar story of like migration in terms of like my grandparents、uh, were from Georgia, and then my mom. Uh, was born in Chicago after they had moved up north,、uh, and then、mm. she、uh, like ha- has also gone on her her sort of like migratory、uh, travels as well throughout her life. Like、uh, when she was in her twenties, she went through an experience of、uh, traveling around、uh, West Africa、um, mm. a- as an artist as well, like having experiences、right. with different artists. So I feel like that's kind of a common thread. In in my family、mm-hmm. history is like people moving and a lots of migration rather than thinking okay here is like the particular ancestral homeland or space that I go back、right. to you know right so I can I I guess I can safely say you can tie your roots back to both African American roots West African roots and and even a Caribbean heritage of sorts I, I'm curious as to how did growing up in this family how did having this type of、uh, of, of Just you know, influence and in, in, in growing up in, in this type of artistic space. How did it influence your artistic journey? That did, did you were you always interested in art? Did your parents want you to become an artist? It was a sort of organic. How did that come up、uh, to, to I guess getting you to the point of applying to NYU 
um, in China, which we'll come to find out that you um, was one of the first cohorts there at that incredible school. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, the, the the this this sort of uh, family upbringing uh, had an impact on on my journey. Um, I would say so. I in in my work, which is like a I'm I'm, I'm an artist who works a lot with like research and like. Uh, thinking about like broader trends and uh i i know that th this is how you would describe most art but it's kind of like an academic practice merged with an artistic practice and i think that stands it makes a lot of sense considering that my mom was an artist as i was growing up and is still an artist and my dad is an academic and professor who does a lot of heavy research so it, it makes sense that that's kind of where i'm i'm coming from but i think that it also like having that kind of we we all have our kind of narratives that we we, we have for our, our personal narratives of of who we are right and for right. for me mine is defined primarily by this like pan africanism and mm. the, the, like that is to me a sort of nationality of type that i i don't necessarily like for because of that background it's hard for me to say oh i'm exclusively an american or oh, i'm exclusively liberian sure. or jamaican so it feels like that's kind of uh, it impacted my 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 vision of who I'm who who I am. So as I'm going to to China and I'm experiencing different different places, I, I'm definitely seeing that as like a continuation of this like moving throughout uh, and redefining what 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 it, or what thinking about what it means to be a part of that the diaspora. You know, right, right, and and this is why you know you stood out to me as a guest, and I knew I had to reach out and get you on on the, my show because. In creating this podcast itself, you know, I wanted to explore just the range and 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 the nuance and and this the diversity within the Black diaspora and the Pan African experience and how that how there is nuance and and, and sort of a, 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 of a difference in 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 how that that diaspora engages with China in different ways. So I saw your experience as just spanning that but also with an artistic and creative context which i, I just knew you know it just make for an incredible conversation so growing up you know you definitely became creative and and, and started exploring your own artistic journey was college the, the 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 did you leave for china for college or or was was china a study abroad experience or was it grad school like tell us about nyu china specifically and then we're going to go on to talk about just life in China in general. Yeah, so um, I, I went to NYU Shanghai as a part of the um, like second graduating class there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of that was my my home campus. So that's where I, I was based for the majority of my like undergrad experience. Um, in, in my junior year, I studied abroad in the U.S. at the uh, the irony. At the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the Washington Square uh, campus in, in New York. Uh, and that was a really amazing experience because it uh, it essentially brought people from all over the world to study in the, this program. So it was about 25% Shanghainese, 25% uh, rest of China, 25% American, 25% rest of the world. So it was a relatively small cohort when, when it first started, and we were part of that second class. So when mm -hmm. we first got there, it was kind of like the building was just finished being constructed and we were still like the the 
the school itself was still getting its footing. So it was really interesting to like help define that culture, but right. also right. you know right. be there at that at that moment as the school was figuring things out and getting to watch it transform. Yeah. What was that cohort like? Was it how diverse was it? Did you feel did you did you feel connected to your the, you know fellow students in it? Since you guys were all sort of. I know you said some were, were foreign, some were, were Shanghainese, some were people were Shanghai. Was that what you were talking about? The actual class itself, the cohort class? Yeah, yeah. Got it, I, got it. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, a, it was a, I would say, a very uh, diverse school um, in terms of, like, they, they explicitly set out to try to bring in people from different nationalities and uh, different cultures into into the same space. I think that was a priority for them as they were trying to figure out who, who to bring in. Um, and I, I think that it, uh, it they, they also made a, a, an effort to ensure that like Chinese students and students from the rest of the world were having cross cultural like mm. uh, relationships, you know, right. and like making sure that like the conditions were set so that people would be be friendly and uh, you know. Form lives together, and I think that uh, that that definitely it, it, some of the things worked for sure. And then you know there are friends that I, I still have from all over the world from from yeah. that experience. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it definitely depends on how much of an open mind you go into an experience like that with. Um, right. Yeah. And I guess speaking on having an open mind to go into that experience, what were your expectations for? I guess how China would have impacted your your artistic journey and your artistic development. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of times when when in the West we talk about China or, or, and like art, we we focus a lot on like the the Cultural Revolution and the way that um, like there the, and and how art is censored in in China, right? But there's still Art, art, art is always going to be made, no matter what like uh, social conditions are going on. And oftentimes, like it, because it's reflecting social conditions, art under situations like uh, like that ends up de- developing in, in, in a different and kind of in, in interesting, interesting way, right? Uh, so I think what I'm trying to get at is I think oftentimes we dismiss Chinese art uh, because there is kind of like a, a gap in in our collective history in some ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of really cool stuff, uh, going on that. I, so when I, when I went, I wasn't really expecting to like have this new experience with like interactive media art or, uh, mm-hmm. with music in the way that I got to experience it. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. outside of the country, we, we, around the time that I got there, we thought, uh, primarily like traditional uh, Chinese art when we talked right. about Chinese art, like right, right. Ink, ink paintings and stuff. Uh, but Shanghai is like easily the most futuristic city in the world that I've ever yeah. been to. Um, so the art scene looks and reflects that for sure. Yeah. I know there, there, there is, there's sort of, um, I've been learning about Sino-futurism, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of its parallels with Afro-futurism. I think, what can you tell us about, I guess, the Chinese contemporary art scene and, and, and just the budding digital art scene in Shanghai? Well, what were some surprising things for you? What were some interesting stories from you? And, and I guess, how did you uh, contribute to that scene? Whoa, that's uh, that, I, I really love that, that question. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of times when people ask me, 
where like what places in the world that I, I love living the most. Like mm-hmm. I always think of Shanghai partially because of the fact that that's, you know, that's just where I became an adult. And it's like, I, uh, yeah. I have this, a lot of emotional resonance with the place, but I, the, the other less emotional response is because the art scene there is like my favorite scene that I, I, really? I've ever seen experienced, right. Where it's this fusion of, uh, music and nightlife uh, uh, and like club culture with uh, like academia and like design. It's got a, it's, it's a really interesting experience where you can like go to the club and experience a lecture by a professor and yeah. then, <laughs> like uh, a, a DJ set and then a film screening, like all in the same space on the yeah. same night. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember one time um, when I was when I was studying in Shanghai, though we connected with because we were actually living on campus, right? But we were in the I guess the foreign student dorms. But there was a lot of engagement with um, Chinese students, especially Chinese students who wanted to learn English and practice the English with us. So there was this one guy that we met. Um, I think he was from Tianjin, but he was studying in, in Shanghai, and he said, "Guys, I want to take you guys somewhere." And I'm like. Sure, cool. It's fun, great. And I went there, and it was a reggae bar, you know, like bistro reggae bar kind of spot. And it was just so shocking for me. I was probably twenty-one <laughs> or twenty. I was probably twenty or nineteen, one of those ages. And uh, I'm here in the middle of Shanghai, and 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 Chronics and Bob Marley is playing, and I'm like, and it wasn't corny or you know, right, it right. Wasn't, it wasn't weird. It was just interesting and, and it was just a vibe and is you know so i don't doubt that you've had probably some really incredible experiences I, that 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 professor lecturing with the dj i think even cities like new york and paris who pride themselves in berlin who pride themselves in being the artistic juggernauts of the world probably don't have stories as strange as that i might be wrong <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's um i I, I think that it's definitely it, it's it's cool because like it is a city whose club scene is developing uh, at, in a way where inside of the conditions of a city that is like constantly 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 reinventing itself. So like there with like Berlin and New York or LA or other uh, other cities across the world, a lot of the times it's like. Uh, you have these entrenched cultures that, uh, you know, shift and have like these large movements and stuff. And I think that right now what we're seeing is, is a movement, uh, but it's also um, the, a movement that's defined by like this constant reinvention or constant, like right. I, I think of it in kind of like in, in the same way that the club culture has this kind of like maker attitude to it in it. And in that there, you know, you have, talks as well where you'll have like design open like workshops and people who work at maker spaces there's kind of this mentality of like constant iteration uh where when clubs close which is like super frequent like they come back and it's something even crazier or wilder or they're tanking a new experiment or you know uh, yeah it's a it's an interesting process do you see shanghai as well i think we can all agree shanghai is the artistic capital of china right artistic artistic and creative capital especially contemporary art of china um was it 
a city where a lot of people from other parts of China move to Shanghai because of that scene? I I don't I don't think so because I also don't know if I would necessarily call Shanghai the the capital of of art. But I I, I, I but I think that's just because I it's hard for me to <laughs> to point to any one uh, to land on any one answer for for something mm-hmm. like that. Right? I think that right. like it's a it's a web where you have like different mm-hmm. capitals for different like styles of art or like different movements oh, within art. Right, so right, right. Shanghai has like a super like interactive media arts, like academic focus, but then uh, like Sichuan inside of Sichuan, like uh, Chengdu has uh, more of like a kind of like street culture, street life culture that uh, a lot of really dope artists are, are coming out of. Um, and in Beijing yeah. there's, Yes. There's like uh, seven nine eight, right? The the like art district. Mm-hmm. So I think that like if you looked at these different places, they all have their own respective scenes. So people are more likely to go to a scene that they feel particularly drawn to, or like stay in the more like or, or stay in the culture that feels most comfortable to them. Uh, but I do think that if people are interested in like going in in the route of uh, like new media arts or interactive media arts. Uh, Shanghai definitely feels like a, a, a city that they, they might go to, like Shanghai or, or Shenzhen. Right, right. Yeah, to, to touch on your um, Sichuan point, I think it was a year ago or probably two years ago, I saw that there is a an emerging rap and particularly trap scene in Sichuan, in, in Chengdu and Chongqing, of, of trap artists and uh, of Chinese and Mandarin trap artists. And I just think that is the most interesting thing to say the least i've seen in so long and a goal of mine is to get a dj or a producer or someone from that scene to speak on it because i'm i'm just so fascinated by you know you, i mean you said that there's like a, a street art scene so it's just no surprise that there is sort of this growing music scene as well with, with trap music in, in china so <laughs> yeah i from from my little time in in Sichuan, I I feel like I definitely got a heavy like West Coast vibe mm-hmm. while I was there yeah. in terms of like art and uh, yeah, I mean I, I have some friends friends that I'd love to connect you with on, who might be able to speak to this better. Uh, but I would say Chengdu has like a pretty strong hip hop culture, right? Outside yeah. of uh, even like rapping, there are a good number of like. DJs and mm-hmm. like B-boys right. and uh, I, I, I believe graffiti is, has, is like less practiced as like a hip hop art out there in general. But Got it. Um, yeah, I, there, there's a, a definitely a resource that you should check out called the uh, the Tao of Hip Hop, uh, um, which is by a friend of mine, uh, Aiden Kornhorst, who did studied like uh, uh, hip hop culture in China. Um, it's it's really oh, dope. Nice. I'll send you a link for sure. Yeah, please do, please do. That that's a must because I hip hop culture is something that you know. Seeing what my podcast touches on and the conversations that that I intend to have on my podcast, hip hop culture in China is a major topic I want to explore. Um, I think it, it has so much nuance and, and it, it, it's it's vastly under talked about. <laughs> if that's a, for lack of a better word. Um, so look, yeah, looking forward to that connection. Um, I think with you having these experiences in China, um, 
with with, China, with the with especially the Shanghai contemporary art scene, I'm 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 thinking or curious rather on what I guess yeah what perspective you have or or how did your 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 mindset change or, or what comparisons came about in your head with your the art scene back in the U.S. Um, while you're in China. Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think that I'm more prepared to answer this now that I'm a little bit older and have a little bit more distance because mm-hmm. growing up, I uh, my interaction with the art scene was primarily just like through my mom and through her friends and stuff. I didn't get to like go and experience like too many shows myself, you know, outside of like music and performances. Right. But coming back now and getting to see my mom and the way that her work has developed in relationship with uh, like her contemporaries and like seeing the work of her peers and everything, I feel like in DC. And I mean, that this is like me speaking from a very specific place of like this particular artist and her, her network. Right. But I think that in DC uh, I, I see a lot of really, really cool uh, work that looks at like the materiality of, of pieces and kind of like plays with like work that is two dimensional and three dimensional simultaneously, or Mm -hmm. just like interrogates how these different like physical media forms like work. Uh, And I think it's, I think it's super cool. And it's something that I feel like that influences why I like say I'm a multidisciplinary artist because like it, it's inspiring and it makes me want to try out doing stuff with physical forms more. Right. Uh, and in contrast to that, I think in Shanghai, it's like a very, uh, no worries. <laughs> I, I think in Shanghai, it's a very, um, like uh, electronic media, digital media, uh, center centric, like art scene. Um, right. so I think that's the main thing, but that's like between two very specific cities. Uh, so I, it'd be interesting to, to, to see what that's like in, in yeah. comparison to the rest of the, the, the countries. Yeah. Yeah, I know for our guests, we've been talking a lot about digital media, interactive media. Um, what is an example of a piece of art, right? That is that is digital, that is interactive, that's not necessarily a sculpture or or a painting. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a really great question. Um, I think that digital media is a quite quite a, quite a wide category for for media mm-hmm. right because you could even call most films or or photographs like digital media yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. uh so I, I think it's really cool that we're now living in a time when we get to like explore with the, the different terminology that we want to use right so a new media arts is often applied to people who are using like technologies and that that are, are developing uh are around this particular era uh uh and I, I, but I think it's an interesting definition that I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to like stick and like, that's what we'll call stuff <laughs> that developed at like, you know, this point in the late 2010s, the 2020s, or if it's going right, to be like, right. this is a term that continues to move as history move forward, moves forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, interactive media art is like, that's what, what I studied. Right. So, uh, and when I describe my major to people, I normally will say it's a mixture between like, computer science in terms of like using coding as a a medium and then media studies, uh, like thinking about like 
media theorists like Marshall McLuhan or Clay Shirky. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, like more traditional arts uh, education. So I, I took some really cool classes on like drone videography or social art practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the synthesis of those. So thinking about like, okay, how do we use different coding technologies mm-hmm. to create works of art uh, while also having that kind of like media grounding in order to understand like there, there's a famous saying of the media is the message. So kind of understanding how the media that you use uh, for creating your art or for, you know, analyzing right. reality, um, if shapes the, the work that you're creating. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. I know with art and, and, and when, we when it comes to, 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 you know, the, the, the source of creativity for artists, mm-hmm. a lot of times they just speak to what's happening around them they, or they, they, you know, uh, say, you know, send a message or, or they, they, you know, uh, advocate for something or, or they, they criticize something. Mm-hmm. How political was the art scene? Was it, was it sort of re- rebellious? Was it conforming? Was it, you know, were they avoiding the typical, uh, you know, uh, taboos in, 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 in Chinese uh, discourse? What, how controversial and, and, and was the, the art scene in China when it comes to, to what they produced? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. Uh, I, I think that the, there, there is work that um, is political. Um, and I think that like being a part of NYU Shung, but yeah, so let, let, me, let me start over there. I, I think that there, there is work that like, that is like grounded in like more controversial topics uh, that is being made in Shanghai. And I, but I also want to acknowledge that like, as somebody who went to school at NYU Shanghai, where we were able to experience a little bit more like uh, academic freedom, uh, I was able to be, be exposed to things that a lot of other people wouldn't be able to. So there are definitely places uh, where people have, have, you know, open conversations, but about, about these, about things that might be controversial, but I don't know if, um, like you would go on smart Shanghai, which is like a directory for events and venues and see, uh, like uh, listed on the directory, like, Oh, this is going to be an event, an event where we're going to be talking about politics and like why Got this it. thing is bad, you know? Yeah. 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 Because, you know, with, um, this new government in China and, and it's coming a new wave of just, just a government that's a bit more, um, I'd say aggressive when it comes to uh, various creative freedoms mm-hmm. um, from people within China and, 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 you know, has caused a lot of, led to a lot of headlines, you know, across the world on how they've been treating academia, how they've been treating the media, how they've been treating social media and whatnot. And they say that artists are a lot more subtle with their messaging nowadays, a lot more metaphorical, a lot more not as blatant, not as not as 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 clear in terms of the messaging they want to get out so that they're able to still produce work so that they're not censored. Um, so I'm just I was always curious about how controversial or political or 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 
revolutionary. Um, these artists, especially in the local Shanghai contemporary scene, um, saw themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that definitely there is risk in creating work that's explicitly political, mm-hmm. but I think that oftentimes when we talk about like Ch- Chinese art, we we see that the work can't be explicitly or like very loud in their political critique. And then we kind of take that to mean that the critique isn't happening. But I think that people still are constantly reflecting on how society is changing and their their political and material conditions with their their art consistently. I think that's something that we as artists are always going to have to adapt to. But I think that the language or like the way that people express critique or like signify change looks different, right? Like we come from a very specific tradition tradition of radical art in the US, specifically when we look at like black art and like the work of like Afro Cobra and like other art that is like politically motivated. That's something that like we, we have been able to be very like uh, loud in how we want to express our mm-hmm. intentions. But yeah. I don't think that because people aren't using the same signals and signifiers that that critique isn't happening. I think that it, it mm-hmm. Uh, yeah yeah that's my how i kind of interpret it right right yeah that that was actually going to be my next question on the comparison between black americans and our engagement with 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 um art right and creative space and how that compared with the chinese artists and their engagement with with digital art and if there is sort of a common thread of political critique or or social commentary or social critique in there i just feel like as an artist, I don't know a single artist that doesn't talk about the society around them, right? So right. thank you for providing color on, you know, the, 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 the contrast between, I would say, the intensity <laughs> of it or, or just how blatant it is um, with Black art, especially Black um, uh, revolutionary art and, and Black, um, uh, uh, re- Black resistance art, rather, um, comparing to to Chinese artists um, in, in in your experiences in Shanghai, what projects did you participate in or create? You know, I think I read somewhere that you co-founded something called Feast. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I helped found uh, co-found uh, an an organization called Feast. It was a publication a, a, a lit, like a arts and literature publication uh that kind of came in the um the footsteps of a, another publication that had started at nyu shanghai the year earlier mm-hmm. uh called uh under century avenue our, our our school was on century avenue so the school publication was called on century avenue oh, nice. and the, the art publication was under century avenue so feast kind of like comes in that same tradition uh and the idea was basically like, how do we, <coughs> how do we have artists come together and like show their work uh, in one space instead of having like a literature review and having like a photography place and having you know separate separate ent- entities or separate publications for these things while also creating a publication that was uh, more distinct from the. Mm-hmm. uh main school newspaper the school right. newspaper was like an official like 
this is our school paper. And it's like what is recognized by uh, like the government and by like NYU as a, as an institution. So we wanted to create a little bit more um, like space between uh, the, the publication and like the, the school as an institution uh, so that people feel um, like they have a little bit more comfort uh, in terms of like what they can say without feeling like, Oh, this is uh, going in the school paper or something. You know what right, I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was sort of, within NYU's infrastructure you created that um, was there a particular need that you wanted to to, to 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 meet or you know what 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 why did you co-found that yeah with um, with at feast it was kind of like there there was two two main things it's like with or I'll say one one main thing we we had a publication that was created the year prior but um, the way that NYU Shanghai uh, works, it's kind of like <clears throat> you, you come in as a freshman and then you are there as a sophomore. Your junior year, most people study abroad and then you come back as a senior. So mm-hmm. if you are a freshman and you are interacting with sophomores, when you become a sophomore, all of those friends that you've made have left, right? Uh, you right, might right. befriend people who are first years but then when you go uh, <laughs> the next year you're going to be a, a junior and you're not going to know those people or you're, you're only going to know the people who are in your cohort that are right, studying right, in your right. same location so <clears throat> it's kind of like makes it hard for um projects to maintain like a consistent lineage you know or it was when i was there i feel like this is probably a, a challenge that they might have solved by now but like when that change over happened it was kind of like we didn't have the foundation laid for that publication to keep moving so we were like okay we need an arts publication let's start this thing um if i could go back and change things i probably would have uh tried harder to make a stronger connection with the people who had started the original publication Mm -hmm. and tried harder to make the uh, like what we had done more clear to the people who came after us. So then that way it would be able to like live longer, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Before that in Shanghai, you made, and correct me if I'm wrong. You said before in Shanghai, you made a transition from photojournalism to interactive media arts. Was there (laughs) something in China that prompted that for you? Um. Yeah, I, I would say that I, 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 so photography was like my first art that I practiced with any sort of consistency. Uh, I like grew up making art, but photography was my first like media to myself. And like when I first arrived there, I had arrived thinking that I was going to become a photojournalist. I was actually between right. NYU, Shanghai, and Ohio University. Uh, which has a, a very good uh, photojournalism program, mm-hmm. and when I went, but when I went to school, there wasn't a, a, any photojournalism program. There wasn't. I don't think there was a journalism program. It was a very new school, so there's very few majors. Uh, so the closest thing was interactive media arts or global China studies, and I felt like it, it would be really cool to. Uh, originally I became a global China studies major and like was doing a lot of research. Uh, but then I started taking classes with interactive media arts and it, and it really changed my world. 
Um, and I, I think the thing that really attracted me to it, to IMA uh, or interactive media arts was the fact that you can blend these different media in, in a way that would allow me to still be a photographer. I can still like take photos and do yes. photo manipulation uh, mm-hmm. and mm. also, you know, work with uh, work that it, it, incorporates these new techniques that I was learning in class. Yeah. Right, right, right. Exciting stuff, definitely. I want to talk some more about your creative process, right? Um, I think a lot of times when artists are interviewed, it's like, what's your message? What's your art about? Da, da, da. But when a lot of people don't talk about the work that actually goes into producing <laughs> pieces <laughs> of work, how long it would take, what it takes out of an artist to create um, a particular piece of work. Yes. How would you uh, break down your workflow and your creative process? Right? Are you are you someone where you can only move if you're inspired? Are you, you know, mm-hmm. pretty spontaneous? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really great question. Um, I, I I think that my my practice is very. Uh, built around like play uh the idea of like experimenting and seeing what works um and that definitely feels like it comes from this kind of like ima interactive media arts tradition of like maker spaces and like just constant iteration um i had a professor that like was very very um convinced uh by the necessity of play to our education um, and I think that that kind of translated for me into my, my art practice. Um, I think that I'm very excited and, and motivated to experiment with different media. So I find that oftentimes, uh, or both different media and different interfaces. So I find that oftentimes, like when I'm starting a project, I get the most joy out of like learning a new technique or learning a new tool. Mm-hmm. So nice. um, like I recently produced... Um, like a series of EPs and on, on that project, it's like I've used Sonic Pi, which is a creative coding language. I've used um, Ableton, GarageBand, iOS, Logic, like a bunch of different DAWs. And that was a part of my process. Cause I just like love playing around with different, different like ways of making art. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I think for, it might be helpful to, to understand what an interactive media arts, piece looks like by kind of explaining a piece that I've worked on before and how it developed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, yeah. So I, I uh, one of like my, my favorite pieces that I've ever created is a, a three part project uh, called hyper real uh, where mm-hmm. each of the sections reflects on like this weird moment in, in history that we've exist in where it's kind of like we're what people are calling like the post truth era where, you know, it's hard for people to like settle on if their idea of reality is real or not. Right. It, we, right. We're kind of like losing this singular like reality that we all exist inside of. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started this project, I kind of wanted it to be like a, television where you have a remote and you can like click through different channels and there's different like uh like videos playing on each of the different channels 
um, and like randomly assigning music or audio or like subtitle text to the videos uh, in a way where my thesis was kind of like, well, your brain is automatically making connections between what like you're hearing and you're seeing. So it's going to like, you're going to like see patterns, even if it's just like randomly assigning what music is playing at what time and what, what text is assigning at what time. Um, So throughout like my senior year, this was like a project that I was working on and iterating with. So I tried out a bunch of different like programs for coding this. Um, I got to have like a really cool performance uh, where there was a showcase of work from uh, one of the classes that I was taking that was at like my favorite uh, museum in the world, the Power Station of Art, which is like uh, near the Bund in Shanghai, um, where I got to kind of like perform the initial concept while I was still drafting it out and ended up being like kind of a commentary on like glitching and like things not working properly (laughs) because we have this joke in interactive media arts about like the curse of the demo day where like whenever you need to showcase something on the day that you're supposed to showcase it. Yeah. Things are going to go wrong. So (laughs) like I knew that that was what was going to happen going into the piece. So I like designed the piece to be like super glitchy and like it wasn't starting properly and everything. So then on the day of when there actually was glitching or like technical issues, it like fit perfectly into the the concept so it's and to everyone it seemed flawless <laughs> <laughs> or you you couldn't tell when it started glitching in actuality and when it was like <laughs> uh when it was a part of the act it yeah it's cool um but funny. when i graduated i still hadn't actually like finished the piece so i kind of like graduated took some time and then like came back to it later and ended up like not scrapping what i had done before but like using that to inform what would become the final piece that I like then made in unity. And um, I don't even know if I want to say final, cause I still would love to like exhibit it somewhere yeah. in the way that I'd imagined it. But like, it, it's just one of those things where that, I think that that journey kind of shows how my process works. So I'm just like yeah. constantly playing and marinating on an idea mm-hmm. and through the process of uh, communicating the thing that I'm trying to communicate. I end up, defining to myself more what it is that I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, incredible stuff. I want to, I guess, as we head towards wrapping up this this episode, I wanted to talk about Cadella today and mm-hmm. your current projects. Um, but before that, uh, you <laughs> live in Taiwan as well, right? And I am always, I love Taiwan, and I'm always excited about talking to people who've experienced both the mainland and Taiwan. Yeah, to hear what attracted them to Taiwan, uh, you know how Taiwan was became a stop on their journey, and and would they ever go back? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I really, I really love my 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 time in Taiwan. Uh, I think my journey to Taiwan started while I was still in in China. Uh, I the the first year that I lived in China, I, I went on. Um, like a, I kind of created a, a farming and uh, couch surfing trip for my for myself, where I took trains between different cities around mainland China, um, and that that was about a three month journey. So after I left, like the first or after I left uh, a job when I was after I'd graduated, 
um, I was kind of inspired and because I had like already had that experience um, in China where I was able to survive uh, <laughs> with basically a bag on my back, just going to different farms and stuff. I had the confidence. Well, to, <laughs> I had the confidence to then do that in in Taiwan. So uh, when I was in Taiwan, I did a similar similar journey where I lived uh, on different farms. I volunteered at some monasteries. I like did some couch surfing and work away. I like worked at a beach hostel for a little bit. Well, not worked. I like volunteered at a beach hostel for a bit, um, but stayed stayed in Taiwan for six months and. Yes. Uh, started to settle down a little bit right before um, COVID hit. And then I was yeah. out, out of the country when, um, when they officially closed the border. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, did you leave because COVID hit or did you leave before COVID hit? I left like, so basically COVID like in Taiwan, I feel like people took COVID seriously <laughs> way earlier right Right. so i remember like spring festival coming up and being like oh shit like this is going on and also feeling like oh shit people (laughs) around the rest of the world are talking about this as if this is a china problem when (laughs) in reality like spring festival is the most traveled holiday in the world you know right right. (laughs) Uh, and uh so it was it was kind of surreal to see things like change in, in in rapid motion there and then kind of like uh you know ha- then uh, experience the change again when i was back in the west right so essentially yeah. Yeah. i was starting a new job and i was going to go meet my the other people in my company before we get into this period of like extreme remote work where we're not sure mm-hmm. we're going to see each other for a long time um because i was starting a new job and as I was flying back into Taiwan, uh, I had a layover in Houston. And uh, when I when I got there, I was getting ready to get on the plane. And the the the, the person who's checking us in for the flights was kind of like, "Are you sure you want to get on this plane? Like, oh, wow. we we aren't allowed to say anything, but there's uh, some like some news that should be coming out pretty soon uh, oh, wow. about like people being able to enter the country. Are you sure you want to go? You know, kind of like hint, hint, nudge, nudge." So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I stayed I'm in telling the, you not to go, even though I can't say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, and, and it was good that I didn't get on the plane because it was like, while I would have been in the air, Taiwan, like yeah. made the announcement that they weren't allowing oh, um, my God. people, people to enter. Uh, yeah. I think uh, everyone has the wildest COVID stories, like, like the lockdown stories. Like everyone has just <laughs> when, where they were, when things got shut down. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was an awesome experience, and yeah. I really hope to go back to Taiwan. Um, yeah. I feel like they have a super dope art scene as well that people don't talk about, uh, mm-hmm. or that I haven't. I mean, people talk, like obviously people are talking about it. I I just wish that it was the art scene there was more a part of the conversation that we we had about Taiwan and like cross strait relations and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. You wish the art scene was more about that or less about that? No, I sorry, I I mean like I, I think it would be cool to like to have more conversations about like Taiwan's art scene and the the way that it looks on on the, on Taiwan because it's like you have all of these really dope um 
like separate scenes themselves, you know, in, 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 on the island where you have um, like in the north in Taipei, there's like the, the city and it has like the nightlife and art scene that, that kind of that, that's there. I feel like I know some really dope uh, DJs uh, like the Taipei community radio folks are, are doing some really cool work. But I also know some really dope like lo-fi hip hop producers who live out there, you know, nice. uh, and they, they've got like a kind of cool like b-boy I'm going skate to culture give you a task to put yeah. together a spreadsheet of all of the cool people you know <laughs> well I, I i'm surprised we didn't talk about this earlier or like i should have brought this up earlier but i i put, put on like a digital festival uh last year um or like a there was a digital festival that we mm-hmm. put on inside of the uh, like online music venue that i that I was working for during the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the events that I put on was called Hey May, which was um, a like DJ uh, live stream event where we had artists from uh, Shanghai and uh, Taipei and Beijing uh, performing um, like DJ sets and music and having conversations. It's it's pretty dope. So I can, yeah, I can definitely share those people's names with you as well. And if there is another uh festival like that happening this year please let me know yeah definitely definitely more will be coming um the more recent one was one that was for juneteenth where so i I live in kenya now and the most recent festival that we we put on um uh, that like related to this was called a moment in between where it was like a pan-african digital like celebration of black liberation where we had artists like in nigeria and in kenya and in the states and like all all throughout the diaspora like um you know showing some really dope work doing some dj sets we had some xr pieces some like virtual reality pieces uh it was it was really crazy (laughs) yeah no i i'm i'm sort of floored right now because it's amazing how many spaces and, and 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 creative um, outlets and, 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 and how many people are out there just doing these things that are just not being talked about enough, right? And again, it <laughs> goes back to why I create this podcast and why I have these conversations is to basically spread the word and, and, and to, to get as much eyes on on these really fascinating people as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would love to help out in that in that process as, as much as possible. I feel like we're very aligned in, in our yeah. goal and, you know, get helping uh like showcase the this awesome work that people are doing of course i have like a whole list of people i want to introduce you to (laughs) oh man i'm so ready yeah (laughs) Yeah. because when i first started this podcast i felt as though i was so niche i'm probably gonna have 10 people to interview and that's it but as the more guests i have the more people i meet and i'm like oh wow this is there's a world of you guys out there so i need to meet everyone (laughs) <laughs> yeah i think we're gonna wrap it up though i think this was an incredible um conversation i am excited to get it posted um and to have have eyes and, and ears on it and to for people to learn more about you so Kandala, thank you so much for your time today thank you for having me this is a really great experience <laughs> take care